There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Professor Karen Phelps, hello, welcome to On The Mic. Hi, Mike. I'm a big fan. You know, I just want to say that off the bat here. Um, everything that you've done, like you've, you've obviously written amazing books. I've seen you on TV shows over the years. You, uh, you're head of the Australian Medical Association, and you've got your own practice around here in the eastern suburbs, which have been running for a long time. And uh, I love your work with the Yes Vote. You uh, marched in the Mardi Gras recently as well to celebrate Australia Said Yes. So, and now you're running as the the independent. For Wentworth, because Malcolm Turnbull has, uh, is not there anymore because the Liberal Party has voted him out. How is it all going? It's going really well. Spending a lot of time out in the streets, out and about. Um, this morning we've been at Randwick, Clavelli, Bronte, Bondi, uh, talking to people, uh, just going about their daily lives, uh, about what's important to them. And what's coming up very strongly is that they don't like what's happened in politics just mm. recently. And certainly this revolving door, door of leadership is a really yeah. big hot button issue for it, a lot of people. It's just a constant cat fight. And I feel like stuff's not getting done, especially at the moment when, you know, everything's in limbo. And uh, I feel like as well, like there's a lot of legislation that Scott Morrison probably wants to get across the line, but he's not going to do it until this election happens because he doesn't want to sway the vote towards you or the Labor Party. So it really, Australia's on hold and then really the Liberal Party, they're, they're the blame for it. They are to blame for this current... Well, I think it's it, it's fair, fair enough to call it a, a crisis because mm. we, we are facing a, a by-election. We are going to face a general election in the middle of next year which will determine the government going forward. So this, this very critical period, this next nine months, I think it's very important that the Australian people through Wentworth, send a message to Canberra that we need to see politics done differently. So how's it going out there on the streets, like shaking hands and kissing babies, knocking on doors? My my stepdad... Just was... my usual day-to-day -day life, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my stepdad, uh, David Jull, a federal politician for about 30 years uh, with the Liberal Party, and it's a hard slog. It's a tough job. And you're going out there and, you know, I mean, and you, you obviously love it, meeting people and, what, you know, working with people. I mean, I guess as being a doctor, you're meeting people every day as well. But what's it, what's it like out there when you, you have to go to someone's door and just knock on it and say, hi, can I please have your vote? <laughs> have, you, have you got like an opening line? Do you do like rehearse it in front of the mirror or anything like that? Well, it, it really is about timing as well. I mean, yeah. Initially, it was I'm um, coming to talk to you about the by-election that's coming up in Wentworth. Some mm. people... Uh, didn't know when it was going to be so we could talk to them about timing and then it's a discussion about policy if people want to talk about that and the really big issue in Wentworth at the moment is climate change action and that's why last week I released my climate change action policy so mm -hmm. that it's a blueprint for Australia to go forward to rely much more and eventually on entirely on renewables mm. and to to get rid of the fossil fuel mm. energy that is causing so much damage to our environment. So we, we really are hopeless in Australia when it comes to fossil fuels. I mean, I was um, I was on this real-time website the other day called NEMWatch and it shows each state and, and how much power they're using from different sources and uh, like New South Wales and Victoria. New South Wales is black coal, but Victoria uses the dirty 
brown coal, which is nowhere near as efficient or as good. But it's like 90, 90 95% and that, that, that we're using from fossil fuels and, and coal. It's, uh, it was a surprise to me because I, I thought by now and all of the campaigning that we've seen for so long and judging by how, how high our electricity bills are and the fact that we're not building any more coal-fired power stations, that we, we would have been a little bit more ahead by now. Why is that? Well, we can't go ahead because our government's been paralysed for more than a decade. Mm. Uh, they've got no policy on renewables. They've got no policy on climate change action. And unless we have policy, then people are, who are wanting to invest in renewables don't have that security that for the next 20 or 30 years that their money is going to be well spent mm. with government policy that's, that, that is stable and secure. And that's one of the things that is part of my uh, climate action policy is to make sure that we do have secure government policy that mm. supports development and research into renewable energies. Now, we saw in, Tas in uh, South Australia just recently mm. the uh, the big battery that went in there. Yeah. And, uh, How did that go? Incredibly well, yeah, incredibly wow. well. I mean, that, that's turning a profit after after six months. It, got, it had a lot of knockers. A lot of people said it wasn't going to happen. And Elon Musk's come in and he's gone, you know what, I'll do it for free. It's like, like he's delivering a pizza. <laughs> if, it's not, if it doesn't work in a couple of months, you get it free. Well, it's working. And it's showing yeah. us that Australia can do better and it can do a whole lot better than it will be. Does South now. Australia have the highest electricity prices in, in the world? Or electricity it's... prices are coming down. Yeah. And that's what we will see as renewables come online and they become more efficient, mm -hmm. uh, then the prices will come down. But we need to see that initial research and development mm -hmm. phase. We also need to make sure that there are no new coal fired power plants yeah. and that the existing subsidies are scrapped because it's not a level playing field mm -hmm. for renewables mm -hmm. versus coal fired. Yeah. Because well, why it, is it around the re uh, other parts of the world there's like hundreds of coal fired power plants being built as we speak and they're talking about you know better coal i mean scott morrison walked in a well, i would challenge that assertion that, about uh, yeah. coal-fired power stations being built because uh it, it it's going to become impossible mm. to insure coal-fired power plants in future because the uh, international mm. insurance companies are, are balking at that now so mm. uh every country is looking at renewables and looking towards phasing out coal-fired power plants. Oh, it's, it's absolutely the answer, long-term, yes. but we don't have the technology now. And I mean, sure, I'm, I, fair enough, I don't mind paying a little bit more in my electricity bill, but it, there's a lot of people out there who are struggling and in like $10, 20 bucks extra every few months when they pay their electricity bill can, can break the bank. I mean, how, how are those people supposed to accept paying so much more for electricity prices in the meantime? Because we clearly do not have the technology now. If we don't invest in research and technology, and development mm. of renewables, the power price situation can only get worse. It's been getting worse. Yeah. And so what we need to do is to put that investment up front mm. into the science, into the development, and make sure that we develop renewable technologies, which as time goes by, mm. will improve and improve and improve mm. and bring the power prices down. That's fair down. enough. I mean, it's, it's, it's so 110% the answer. I don't think there is any argument. Like no. we definitely need to sort out, you know, whether it's solar or more hydro. I mean, someone said the other day that if, um, if we had more dams in Australia and more hydropower, then maybe we wouldn't have such a drought problem. I think we need to look at the, a whole range of renewables mm. options, mm. and uh, and and certainly you know solar and wind. Australia could do, yeah, you know, could be a market leader, could be mm. a world leader in renewable energy if we if we really harness those renewable energy sources. Yeah, we can do it, and we should do it. Absolutely. So, um, what what's the main thing other than that that everyone is talking to you about out there in the streets? Is it, are they are they uh, upset about the whole? Um, Liberal Party fiasco, you know, voting out their local member who was the Prime Minister that a lot of people were quite proud of, even if they didn't really necessarily like the Liberal Party. They had the Prime Minister who was from their electorate. Do you think there'll be a bit of a protest vote about that? 
there's no question that people are saying, I'm really happy to have an independent to vote for mm. uh, who is not one of the major parties because people are, are looking for politics to be done differently. But they are certainly very unhappy with what happened to Malcolm Turnbull. Mm. Uh, we still don't have an explanation as to why that happened. Yeah. And a lot of people are just scratching their heads going, why are we in a by-election mm. now? There's a general election in the middle of next year which yeah. will decide the government. And the, the right wing of the Liberal Party moved against mm. their own leader yeah. the, of the Liberal Party, their own Prime Minister, mm. and then went, oh, why is he leaving? But you this know, happens all the time. It's like we've had 10, not just Liberal, but Labour parties. We've had 10, is it seven Prime Ministers in 10 years or something? It's just ridiculous. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's like, a revolving like People overseas think it's a joke. Yes. And like Malcolm Turnbull, he, he doesn't even know how to explain it to people over there. I think he did a talk at the UN the other day, and they're like, so you were voted Prime Minister, but your own party kicked you out. Why? And he's like, I don't even know. It's, it's just, is it because of the, um, the, the, someone's done some local polls and said, oh, he's not as popular anymore and we might lose the next election, you know, we'd better get rid of him. Who knows? We have had no yeah. explanation and that really is for, you know, Scott Morrison, the, mm. the current Australian Prime Minister, to explain to the mm. people. And it costs us a lot of money as well. I mean, to do a by-election is something like $1.5 million from, you know, Electoral Council mm. money. And the and Liberal Party are throwing enormous amounts of money at this. Yeah, I, re I read something like a million bucks they're spending yeah. on the local campaign. Yeah. Which nowhere near as much as you've got, of course, being a uh, Eastern Suburbs doctor. I mean, you must be ploughing the cash into it. Well, Jackie and I are underwriting our campaign, but we are uh, have had a crowdfunding campaign for grassroots donors. But you don't have anywhere near as much money no, as the Liberal Party. Of course, but they not. have to win, look, otherwise look, you've got the balance of power. Well, they well, I I, th I think that it's important that I give the people of Wentworth a viable alternative mm. to the Liberals, so that it's not just business as usual. Mm. You know that they just plug somebody else back in who's going to spout the government line, yeah. and uh, and that we don't hear anything different from them. But I I just don't understand understand their thinking with the, the, the slogans and the campaign that they're running against you. I mean, you've given them a preference, first preference. Say, come on. I'll no, no, no. Tenth preference. <laughs> a tenth way, yeah. yeah. I'm putting all the independents <laughs> and the minor parties first and then the Liberal Party are in at ten. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we're, we're, they're saying that uh, on, on one of their Twitter campaigns that you, you've preferenced them and then you changed your mind. You know, why do you even have to tell them? And why the hell do we have preferences anyway like why can't we just say i want to vote for that person or i want to vote for that person because i i mean look at look at this how to vote form i mean this what is this 16 candidates 16 how many do we need and i, I honestly believe that the majority of these people know that they're not going to get in all they're doing is is trying to suck up to whoever does get in say oh i'll give you preferences so you've got to do this for me like there's one guy who who just wants people to do things for the arts it's like the, the arts party. Okay, that's great. I mean, I'm in the arts. I love to see see more money spent in the arts, but that doesn't mean that people are going to vote for you to actually run their electorate because you want more in the arts. Well, why do we have to have preferences anyway? Isn't it a bit of a joke? Well, it's a participatory democracy, and so people have every right to mm. put themselves forward for election. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm doing as an independent. Mm. And uh, I have a broad suite of policies that I think are important to yeah. the electorate, and they're certainly the things that I believe in. And, uh, and I think we need to see government with more heart. And we've seen a lot of heartlessness from this government. Well, I, I, I can't believe this morning I was just flicking through Twitter and, and Twitter can be such a, a, an angry thing to, to start reading, especially when it comes to politics. And, uh, and they're, they're, they seem like the Liberal Party really having a crack at you, but they've got nothing. Like the best thing that they've got at the top of their feed today was, oh, a, a vote for, for Karen Phelps is a vote for Labor. She has a web developer who once worked for Labor. <laughs> 
I mean, what? Is that the best you could do for a million dollars and all the money that you're spending? Absolutely hopeless. Oh, look, I clarified that this week. My web developer, and we had to find someone really quickly because we had this thrown at us. Of course. Well, is that an issue? Of course. But she worked for the, for the, for the Yes campaign for marriage equality, you know? So... What, what? But even if she did, even if she's currently making websites for Labor, Liberal, you know, any other independents as well, good on her. She's a local businesswoman that's, that's doing right. a great job. I'm using a, a local Australian business uh, business to, to develop the web. And, you know, I've run small businesses for, you know, many, many, many years. Mm. And so I understand the pressures on small business as well. And mm. you talked earlier about, you know, budgets and spending on a campaign. Yeah. I mean... You know, I, I know about the value of money and I know about, you know, how hard it is to earn and to save yeah. and, and to run a business. And so we're running this campaign as a tight ship with a tight budget. Mm. We're using the donation funds very wisely. We're not wasting a cent. And, uh, and I think that that's really important for people to understand that with mm. an independent, with a grassroots campaign, mm. uh, that this is really about what the people of Wentworth want. But w- how do they benefit from for voting for an independent? Because a lot of people say, oh, it's an independent. They won't be able to do as much as like a, a party of members together is so much stronger. Like w- what makes you different? Well, a party member can only articulate the party line. So if you were to ask the Liberal candidate, for example, what their view is on something like climate change, they can only tell you what the party lets them say. They can't say, well, I think. All they can say is, this is what the party tells me I'm thinking and can say. And and that's why, for me, being an independent is where uh, I'm, I'm most comfortable, because uh, certainly in an, in an election like this, mm. it's so important that we have some some different thinking that yes, is going so into into policy. It's not harder to get things done? Well, I, I think it could be... It's a unique moment in politics because mm. if there is a, a change in the balance of power over the next nine months or so until the next general election, I can have a real influence yeah. with the other independents. Mm. I can have a real influence on policy. So, mm. you know, we can, we can look at good legislation mm. and, and I can support that. I can look at dodgy legislation mm. and... Help to that. amend that mm. and look at bad legislation and block that. And mm. so, you know, there are, there are influences that a, a group of independents mm. on the crossbench can actually have on the, the direction of Australia going forward. Mm. And one of the things that I am concerned about is this religious freedoms legislation. Yeah, yeah, what is that? That's, that's one of the, uh, the legislations that they're going to put through after this um, by-election. So, I mean, why aren't they? They're obviously not going to say anything about it now. But they'll wait till mm. if they get in, and then, then they'll try and get it across the line. And why haven't they said what it's going to be about? Well, what we know is that it's. I, I actually submitted uh, uh, to the Ruddock Inquiry, and I went to speak to the panel and was interviewed by them. And I've been waiting to see this report come out. And mm. what we know is that the government has been sitting on this for months, mm. and they are refusing to release it. And so I've called for the Ruddock report and the accompanying legislation to be mm. released before the Wentworth by-election, mm. because I think that the went, people of Wentworth are owed an explanation mm. as to where this is going to lead. Mm. And and, and what it is intending to do is to water down anti-discrimination laws so that religion can be used as an excuse to discriminate against certain groups. Now, fundamentally and initially, that is going to be the gay and lesbian community, the LGBTQI yeah. community, really? um, because it came out of the marriage equality legislation. Mm. Uh, but what we don't know is whether it could also allow discrimination against people who are of a particular uh, minority religious group, for example, if somebody mm. in one religion didn't want to provide service to someone in another religion for religious reasons. 
could that be something that the government is yeah, seeking you got, to you do? Yeah, you've got to know. We, we're, we could sit here for hours and speculate. Who knows what it's all about? That's right. but, but, I mean, it is an issue because if it's something that they're going to legislate on, they should just, just do it because that's what the government's supposed to do, not wait until well, they should they've tell got us. more numbers. They should tell us. Mm. And, I mean, if it's, you know, we need to know. And, mm. and, and I think it's the, the least the government can do with this religious freedoms legislation is to mm. let the people of Wentworth know mm. what they're planning. So if you do get in as an independent and you have to work with other independents to uh, you know, vote down legislation or see what, whatever it is that you agree with, um, is, is that uh, like an own party unto itself, all of those independents banding together? No. Uh, independents operate as independents and make mm. their own decisions. Yeah, so I, I guess you know that that'll be uh, a, a great way to look at things like immigration, and uh, and I noticed the other day uh, you were watching a video on um, on live exports and and talking about banning that. Uh, is is that something that's going to happen? Live sheep exports need to be phased out. Uh, yeah. There's there's a plan over the next five years. I'd like to see that accelerated. Mm. I mean, if you look at the videos of what those poor animals go through yeah, in a long sea journey from Australia to the Middle East, mm. and then their fate when they they arrive there. But you know, they're they're cramped. They're in crowded conditions. They're mm. overheated. They're seasick. They can't get to food and water. It's mm. it's an absolute disgrace. But it's only because. And, you know, certain religions want want to actually kill the animal in a certain way, halal, and and you know they have to eat it within a certain amount of time after it's been killed, and 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 that's is that the reasons why we're live exporting? And it's it's not necessarily that they're they're putting them out in a paddock somewhere. No, it, it, it's going over for for slaughter. But I, you know, the ninety five percent of the meat exports to the Middle East from Australia are chilled meats, packed, prepared chilled meats that go over there for human mm. consumption. So. It, it's not an industry that I think that we can uh, continue mm. if we are to be a humane country. Is it, is it only the Middle East where we live export to? I don't think we live export to Japan or yeah. any other. No, it, it's got, the, these ships are going to the Middle East. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. So uh, what, what is the other political party's stance on this? Have, have they said, I mean, the, the Liberal Party are, are keeping it going as far as I know, but they want to make changes to it. Mm. But you want to absolutely rule it out and stop it. I want to stop the live sheep export. Industry, and what, yes. what about the other independents? Do you know where they stand? I mean, I don't. It, they'd have to speak for themselves. But, but I've looked at I've looked at this and I've come to my conclusions. Uh, how do you feel about things like medicinal marijuana? Uh, I think it's an important option for people who are suffering and where there's uh, no better way and no less harmful way hmm. of being able to manage um, pain or nausea or uh, some of the other conditions that medicinal marijuana can can actually help. What about going all out and saying, right, let's just legalise marijuana like they have in so many other countries around the world? I think there are some health risks with uh, recreational use of, of cannabis, but I think it's really so widespread. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't want to see people going it's to But there's health risks with smoking and alcohol. Yeah. Look, I, th I think to, a, to an extent people need to be able to make up their own minds about things. And, and, uh, and I, I think that certainly looking at the issue with medicinal cannabis use mm. uh, it, it's an important medical issue yeah. what we do need to see are the right doses of the right types of cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com of cannabis preparations mm. so that, uh, you know, people are getting uh, the right 
medication for their particular use. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I, th- I think that education is going to be very important around that for, for patients and for doctors. Because you wrote a book on cancer recovery. I did. And did that I- entail any medicinal marijuana in there? Was it more about, you know, I do have a chapter radiation? on that. Yeah, you, yes, you do. I do. I have a chapter on um, herbs and supplements and uh, and lifestyle factors, exercise, mm. meditation. It's a, it's a holistic view of how you can manage your way through cancer cancer care. And there is a chapter there on the global picture around medicinal cannabis use. Yeah, well, my dad's had cancer for quite a few years now, and uh, he's just just finished some more radiation at the Sand here in Sydney, and he's got his hands on some CBD oil, which. I'm probably delving him in, but it's, I think it's illegal, but he actually had to, uh, to get a, a certificate so he could use it. But it took the pain away immediately, like within a, within a few minutes. But for some people it works and some people it doesn't. But I think that's, is that part of the problem with, with legalising certain medicinal marijuana uses in Australia because it, it needs to be tested by so many people and independent organisations and different universities? I mean, why is there so much red tape when something can be so good for people? Well, it's a pharmaceutical product, so it has to be the right preparation. It's a plant. <laughs> it is, but it's an extract of a plant. Mm. So, I mean, plants can be treated in particular ways. It's not whole plant. Mm. You know, it's not like, you know, you take tea leaves and, you know, make a tea out of it. It's it's the, the actual medicinal preparations are particular extracts of particular species that have a particular chemical yeah. combination. And, uh, and then the doctor who prescribes it needs to be able to understand uh, what is the best preparation for a particular purpose? So it's it's not just as simple as mm. you know just going and having a smoke. It's actually mm. you know there's a bit of science behind it. Yeah. So what's I mean? It's been a few years since you wrote that book. Uh, any mm. thoughts on on cancer and you know the treatment of patients changed since you brought that out? Because I mean the technology is just going, moving forward in leaps and bounds. I mean they used to just radiate your whole body with radiation and give you chemo everywhere, but now that it's so much more targeted. Well, I've been working in uh, medicine. I graduated in 1981, so I've mm. been in the medical field for a really long time. And the advances that I've seen in medical science and medical practice over that time have been just amazing. Mm. And that's why, if I'm elected to parliament, I would do whatever I could to support our health system and to make sure that we had a vibrant and uh, and very active research community. So uh, what about you personally um, on, on a health benefits side? I mean, because you've, you've written a few books and obviously the, uh, the, there's the cancer book, but I think you had uh, an, another, it was like a gut health. That's the uh, most recent one, book, yes. book is the most yes. recent one. Mm. Uh, the mystery gut. Uh, well, gut health is so massive at the moment yeah. and, and it's, it's something that we, we don't really know a lot about. I mean, I've got a friend of mine, he owns a, a company called ProGood and his dad, um, Professor Elliman, he used to work for the CSIRO and one of his jobs is to, f- to find the best um, prebiotic and probiotic strain for the gut. And this stuff is amazing. And, and there's a movie on it that he took, took me to see a few weeks ago called The, the Gut Film. And some of the things that, that, that they're learning about the gut uh, and how it's like your second brain and you know, it helps run the immune system. Like my dad's constantly taking probiotic because of all the medication he's on, on for cancer. Uh, is there anything that, that, that you do in your daily ritual? Mate, maybe stick some uh, probiotic in a water or do you, do, you, uh, do you drink a lot of kombucha? Or what's your story? <laughs> The foundation for me is is nutrition and mm. exercise, and uh, and if you can take care of those two things and getting enough sleep. Mm. So if you can take care of those things, then a lot of the rest of your good health follows. So what are you an F forty five girl, gym girl? What do you do? Golf? How do you get fit? I mix it up a bit. Mm. Um, I go for a walk every day, and I swim 
uh, a kilometre or so most days, mm. and I go paddleboarding when I can, with the, when the weather and time allow. Ah, a bit of sup paddleboarding, yeah, cool. Yes, loving it. Nice, that's good fun. It is, it's fantastic. What, what about all, all the, uh, I mean, there's so many crazy diets, obviously, around all the time. I mean, there's the keto diet and vegan diet. What do you think of be- being a vegan? You think that's healthy? It can be, but people can can get tripped up on it too. You have to really know what you're doing as a vegan, and particularly with children. But a lot of the problems I see vegans running into um, are quite often vegans who are living in a family of people who eat everything. And what they do is they just cut out all the protein, and right. and they don't they don't really think their way through what they need. And so the problems that I see for people who are vegans who don't really understand the nutrition of it uh, they get iron deficiency vitamin b12 deficiency they get zinc deficiency they can get uh, protein deficiency and so what i like to do with people who are vegan to maintain their health is to to get a nutritionist or a dietitian to see them and just to run through what they're eating and to make sure that we plug any gaps uh, in in what they're what they're getting in their diet, so you can be a healthy vegan mm. and get everything, but it's easy to get deficiencies as well. Mm. The other thing that a lot of vegans will need to do is to um, supplement with certain vitamins and minerals. I guess it's the same with like a keto diet or like there's a carnivore diet that people are on. Like uh, I think you know Jordan Peterson, he's like a uh, a professor in the US. There's a, a lot of speaking tours. And uh, I was watching him in an interview the other day with uh, Joe Rogan, who's like one of the the biggest you know podcasters in the world. And he was saying that he had all, all sorts of issues, like he couldn't sleep, he had um, all, all, all sorts of health problems and depression problems. And then he changed his diet to just 100% meat and, and all of his problems went away. And he can't explain it, he doesn't understand it, and he no way, shape or form recommended it or anything like that. But if people out there are, are watching this and, and thinking maybe they have health problems or something like that, would you say it's a good idea to, to just try different diets and listen to your body and just see how you feel, see what's right for you? I would never recommend an extreme fad diet because yeah. sooner or later you're gonna run into trouble. Mm. And, uh, and in most cases, sooner rather than later. Yeah. So what I recommend to people is if they think that diet is an issue for them, that they see their GP and they get an assessment. I mean, mm. for example, if somebody is celiac and you cut uh, all grains out of your diet, then mm. you're obviously gonna cut gluten out of your diet mm. and you'll feel better. But then you'll only feel better for a while because sooner or later mm. you're going to get other nutritional deficiencies that come in. And so if you see a GP and get a proper assessment and then see a dietitian, and then a dietitian can run you through a plan so that you have a well-rounded diet. I mean, 95% of Australians don't eat enough fruit and vegetables. Yeah, which is I'm, pretty I'm one incredible. of them. Yeah. It's pretty incredible when you consider the fantastic uh, access that we have in Australia to fruit and vegetables and great produce. And, and the nutritional value as well compared mm. to other countries. Mm. Like well, I spent a bit of time in the US and you eat a banana over there and you go, hang on a minute, this doesn't taste as good as it does in Australia. Mm. I don't know, I guess maybe because they're sprayed or farmed in a different way. Uh, so yeah, eat more fruit and vegetables. You heard it here from the doctor, <laughs> the professor, I should say. What about um, fasting? Uh, do, you, do you see any value in that? I mean, I, I've, I've got friends who, who regularly fast and they say it's, it's really good to uh, you know, clear your gut out and your, your body does all sorts of amazing things. Do you, do you ever do that or do you know anyone who does? Do you think it's a good, good idea? There are different models of fasting and there's a lot of evidence that it can actually help with things like blood sugar control, lowering cholesterol, weight loss. Uh, and and uh, reduction in inflammatory conditions. So uh, it, again, this is something that is worth doing 
with the advice of an expert like a dietitian. But if people want to try it out, there are different models. They can either do the 5-2, the which is where you have a very low calorie intake or low kilojoule intake on two days of the week and eat um, just sort of a regular sensible diet in the other five days. Mm. Uh, the other way is you can do it is, is to have 16 hours of the day where you don't eat and you only eat during an eight-hour window. So mm. that, that's another way that, uh, that is becoming quite popular too. Is it, is it the same thing if I just forget to have breakfast? I go, oh yeah, it's lunchtime. I didn't have breakfast. Oh, I'm fasting. That's healthy. <laughs> it depends what you're doing the rest of the day. But some people go for like days and, and fast. I just, I just couldn't do that. I mean, I know it'll probably make you feel good in the long run, but of course you get to feel good because you finally get to eat. Yeah, if you can't, <laughs> if you can think. It's bizarre. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so uh, you're heading back out there on the streets. You've got till October 20. October 20. Which is, uh, what is that? It's only just over a week away now, isn't it? Two weeks today. What's the date? Oh, yes, it is too. So, uh, so you're feeling confident? I don't think anyone can afford to feel confident at this stage of an election where the Liberal Party has held the seat since 1944. Because True, because that's more of the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going, I'm going out strongly on policy. I, I released a, a really comprehensive policy on climate change action this week. Uh, I also yesterday uh, gave in principle support to a National Integrity Commission because a lot of people would be surprised that there is no overarching body looking out for uh, anti-corruption measures in, uh, in the federal sphere. Federal are you, are you kidding? We don't have that. I thought we had lots of different organisations that that are uh, you know anti-corruption and you know overseeing the government. You're saying we don't have that. There, there is no overarching body, and there's a group of retired um, uh, and former judges who um, have gotten together and come up with a model for a national integrity commission. That's ridiculous. And, I was sure yeah. that we had that. Mm. I, th I think it's that's a crazy. It's, it's a really important oversight. So mm. that's an important policy area. I think that's the most important. Yes. I mean, yeah. how do we know? Like, the NBN, I mean, why is that a load of crap that we spend billions of dollars on where there are so many better ways to do it? I mean, there's, there's so many things in government that we just you don't understand. And like, even it's just locally, like, why is it taking so many years just to build a little railway line through the middle of the city? Like, who's getting paid off there? How can we have a, have a casino that, that isn't built yet that all of a sudden had to close down the rest of the city that's happening in Sydney? Like, no, you're telling me no one is overseeing this and, seeing, and checking all the, the politicians involved bank accounts? Well, the New South Wales uh, ha uh, government has had an ICAC uh, yeah, so we don't have a federal years, There is no federal. Right, okay. There is nothing federal that's comparable. So that's another That's shocking. Piece. I can't believe that. Well, I, I, I think we need to have an organisation like that to restore faith uh, in the honesty and transparency Well, here's the processes. perfect example. The, the um, Barrier Reef hmm. money that just got handed over by Malcolm Turnbull to, to some of his supposed mates, was it $440 million? There was, there was no other companies that were allowed to bid for it. It's just like, yep, you guys look like you'll do the job pretty well. Here's a check for $440 million. I think ScoMo handed over the check. Like, that is, that's unbelievable that there's no other political process behind that or even an external agency that's overseeing that. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's Well, that's crazy? why I've given in principle support to a National yeah. Integrity Commission because... Well, there's there, a lot of reasons, you know, isn't there? There are unanswered questions. They need to be properly investigated. Uh, and and I, I think it's important that this is not weaponized and used as, as political theatre. I think it's yeah. really important that it's properly... Uh, overseen with a judicial oversight and that, that has a model that is agreed upon by by uh, all parties 
and uh, and I think it's something that could really change the political landscape and restore tra- trust and faith in the system. Mm. Um, I'm also out there talking about supporting our health system. Mm. I think we need to see much better treatment of asylum seekers and a solution for the people who've been trapped on Man Asylum for five years and on Nauru. So how does it, it work out there? Because you hear different sides to it, like they're offered you know, free flights back home wherever they want to go, but they decide, no, we're going to stay here for the hope that we can end up staying in Australia. I've talked to experts about this, and, and the AMA wants to evacuate the children and their families to Australia pending uh, resettlement options, and, and, and that is something I would support. Mm. And I think it's important that the people who are remaining on Manus Island and Nauru are treated in the best way possible, mm. and, and we're certainly not doing anything like the best we can do for the mm. people who are detained um, uh, under our government. So, so what are you saying? Better facilities, you know, better food, you know, healthcare, access to healthcare. They don't have that already. It's, well, everything we hear is that it's it's a, a terrible situation there mm. for those people, and we need to fast track an acceptable regional solution yeah. in an appropriate country, third country. Uh, there's bipartisan support for off- offshore processing, and uh, and it would be unrealistic to think that the people who are currently on Manus Island and Nauru are, are likely to be by either of the major parties mm. set, resettled in Australia. So we need to look at a fast-track regional solution that is acceptable to the people who are on Manus Island and Nauru mm. and, uh, and, and better treatment for those people while they remain there. I've spent my en- entire work, working career uh, trying to foster community harmony and, you know, get, getting rid of divisiveness and having people understand each other and fighting against discrimination. And mm. so, you know, wh- whatever policies help to enhance community ha- harmony, that's what I'm interested in. Well, you've enhanced community harmony for, for everyone, for me, for a lot of people out there, especially when it came to the uh, the yes vote. Where were you in, when that was announced? I was at Prince Alfred Park. So you were up there on the stage on with the, Magda yes, Zabanski was, and everyone? Yes, cool. yeah, work, work what was it closely. like? What was the feeling? Oh, it was it was elation. Oh, it was very nerve wracking initially, mm. and what if we didn't know, man? That would have been yeah. horrific. It would have been horrific, and we had to actually emotionally prepare ourselves for the possibility that mm. we had to gear up and do it all again. And so when the result came through, everyone was just relieved and mm. elated and just thrilled to pieces that we didn't have to go through it anymore. But then, of course, we had to wait until the seventh of December until it went through the parliament. And, uh, and by that stage, it was pretty clear that it wasn't going to be blocked by Parliament again. Wow, what an incredible achievement. And I mean, you even put your own ads on because you, you saw the, um, the, the opposition to the yes vote running their own campaigns, just saying ridiculous things. And I, at one stage, I heard some you know, guy on Talkback Radio saying, oh, next thing you know, you'll be able to marry, marry your goat. You know, some of the stuff they were saying was ridiculous. So you've gone, right. You know what? These people are dickheads. I'm going to get out there and, and put together my own ad and say exactly what it is. And and good on you for doing that. Well, I worked with the Equality Campaign, mm. and uh, and it became this massive movement around Australia of thousands of people who picked up the phone, called a relative, called a friend, made a statement, did a Facebook mm. post, put their their you know their vote into the mail and made sure that it got there so that they counted you know mm. and this again is participatory democracy it's a, it's about people getting involved and that's what the grassroots campaign of an independent is like i mean we've got volunteers getting out on the streets 
in their purple T-shirts, handing out how to vote cards and flyers for me to because they want to see politics done differently. Mm. And uh, and it's just that's been a good slogan. Politics done differently. <laughs> I like that. I'm glad. Thank you. You put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> Not that you need it. I think things are going fine. Uh, so you must have heard so many incredible stories about people that, that that's lives were changed after you know the yes vote got across the line, and you played such an important part in it as well. Well, I had a couple of women uh, just uh, stop me down at Bondi Beach just a minute ago, and uh, and and they said we we just feel so different and so fantastic. So we got married in May. They'd been together for over twenty years, and they said we're still getting used to using the word wife and 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 not feeling awkward about it. So, you know, just to be able to have a language for your relationship is really important, and and to be able to feel as if you are equal to other Australians is really just such a a wonderful outcome from 20 years of advocacy. That's cool. What was it like uh, in the Mardi Gras, like on being on the float with the Yes folks? I've actually marched in the Mardi Gras, I'm not even gay, but they, uh, they actually had a uh, straight person's float for marriage equality many years yeah. ago. And uh, David Campbell and all these other you know, TV hosts were, were on there. It was a white theme that year. And I went dressed as the Pope because the Pope had just stepped down. And I thought, well, isn't, you know, this could be like auditioning for the job as well. So I'm cruising along in his car, waving at everyone. And they're like, oh, my God, it's the Pope. But <laughs> like the crowd just go nuts. It is it's yeah. such a, a happy, fun environment. And, and, and I can't imagine what it would have been like straight after the yes vote. Well, for, for Jackie and for me, going into the Mardi Gras this year was really a celebration of all of the hard work. And it was an acknowledgement and a thanks to all of the people who made it happen. Because these things don't happen by individuals. They don't happen by you know small groups of people. A, a huge national mo movement like that could mm. only happen because so many people got behind it. And not just the people who were directly affected, but our families, our friends, our supporters, our allies. And, and that's where it was just an extraordinary moment for the whole of Australia. For you know People felt as if they had all really achieved something fantastic. Yeah, you really did, and uh, and and well done once again. I mean, that's that's such an incredible thing for Australia. What was the end end vote tally? Did, what was the difference? Was it pretty close, or it was about sixty two percent in favour? So you know, look, you know, we we always dreamed that it might be close to one hundred percent, but it was never going to be. So, but I, but I think that the the heat has gone out of that now, largely, and uh, and it's really just we have to wait and see what this religious freedoms legislation is is planning for for the lgbtqi community because that could be a difficulty karen phelps good luck out there thank you you independent you <laughs> and and uh you know we'll see what what the people of wentworth think on october 20 and it looks like we uh we just may have you in parliament making some big changes if that's what the people of wentworth want that's what will happen excellent cool thank you for being on the show thanks Mike. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 